name is Trevor Davenport, and I live here in Gilbert, Arizona. And uh, stoked to be talking about Grand to Grand uh, being a finisher this year uh, for 2023. Yeah, man, it was good to meet you out there, and it was fun to meet someone from from Arizona as well. And then I'm I'm facing the guy that you ran with almost the entire race, but you guys were just like, like I was talking to Anastasia, the photographer, just how like happy and like just like go lucky you guys were the entire time, and it was like really inspiring to see that. Yeah, I got to say, you know, events like this, um, given it was my first stage race, I went in with just this attitude of of enjoying the adventure. Um, uh, I think I've shared before, it kind of combines two of my passions, which are, you know, kind of ultra running slash adventuring and then camping. I mean, I looked at this as kind of a week long, you know, camping trip with some running thrown in there. and. Uh, you know, some new, some new things that I had not dealt with, but I just wanted to have fun and really enjoy the experience. Nice, man. Well, it seems like you did. Like the area is beautiful. So I guess even if you are in the pain cave, it's a, it's a beautiful place to, to be in pain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, you know, uh, most of my training, I think did center around, you know, being in places that I thought would be similar as far as the terrain was concerned. And so, Living here in Metro Phoenix, you know, we get a lot of the uh, dry summer heat, but uh, it's it's really challenging to simulate that that uh, high desert heat and the high desert terrain. Um, and so, you know, trying to trying to seek those places out, I think, was probably a integral part of my training. Yeah, let's talk more about training since that's uh, what we're going to talk about today on the episode um, for this yeah. first uh, Grand to Grand podcast and. I think people would assume that you live in the desert, like living in the Phoenix area. It's hot, deserty, but high desert up in Kanab is quite a bit different. Um, you're at like 5,000 feet plus, you end near 8,000 feet or so um, in, in Bryce Canyon area. So I guess let's just kind of jump into your training. Like, What was your training philosophy going into Grand to Grand, knowing you'd have to run basically a marathon plus for six, seven days? Yeah, I, you know, as an ultra runner, um, I really did have to kind of turn that switch the other direction for this, for the Grand to Grand, uh, knowing that, you know, one, you're going to be carrying a pack, you're going to be carrying a lot of weight that you typically don't have to deal with. So the likelihood of running the whole time, I didn't expect to, to run uh, at all, you know, maybe some downhill. So I really kind of changed my philosophy to this, um, maybe hiking 70% running 30 percent um, and really just focusing not necessarily on speed but more time on feet and you know that includes just a lot of hiking a lot of walking you know in the, in the places that you might typically run and it's it's a very different discipline you know trying to turn that switch um, to focus on just getting more miles in over you know a longer period of time and um, like I mentioned before, you know, just seeking out those those places and terrains to kind of simulate that higher desert, that terrain, some of the climbing. Um, yeah, uh, spending time, you know, up in uh, Pine and Payson, um, you know, up in Flagstaff, um, and, you know, just getting some of that elevation as well. So I think those were kind of the key elements of my training. Um, it, for me personally, um, I, I only trained um, like on the weekends, like two days, 
of, of long hiking or mixing in some running was, was really, you know, my focal point. Um, it's, I think it's really easy to overdo overtrain for something like this. And, you know, listening into some of the grand to grand zoom calls was actually, you know, really helpful. They have, you know, past participants. They also have, you know, other coaches who kind of, who kind of emulate the same thing. Just say, look, it's easy to overtrain because you think this is a lot of miles, but, um, you know, do, do the time on feet, um, and be prepared, you know, to spend a good eight hours or more on your feet each day. And, and you'll you'll adjust accordingly yeah i think that's a very important point you bring up because if you're training for say a marathon which is drastically different obviously than than a a six seven day stage race but when you're running a marathon you're probably running the entire time whether you're doing three four or five hours of you're going to be running slow running whatever to kind of be in that zone two and at grand to grand that's probably the bulk of all the running is in zone two like no one's going out there and running a, a 220 marathon day one and then doing the same thing day in and day out, especially with the pack on. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, again, I, 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 you have to kind of just train your body and your mind, I think, to be prepared, you know, for those longer days. Um, you know, again, fortunately, I had a buddy that I was able to spend those, those days with. Um, but if you're on your own, if you're, you know, in your own pace um, and, 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 you don't have the same kind of distraction. So you have to be ready to both you know, mentally and physically be ready for those miles. Definitely. I think the specificity there is very important. And it's, I've noticed this a lot, even in, in shorter races, say a 50 K, for example, if I just go out and run for an hour, like every day, it's like, yeah, you, you feel good. But then it's like, Oh, I have to run for four or five hours during the race. And like mentally, like it's almost like a mental specificity isn't there. You need to kind of train your brain to realize you'll be out there for that long. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. And I think, uh, there's, there's valuable lessons to be learned, you know, when you're, when you're on your feet for that long, um, especially here in Arizona, um, having to train for grand to grand. I mean, it, it really does require spending time in the heat, um, no matter where you're at. Um, even the high desert, you know, can be, can be quite warm, but, you know, figuring out those strategies of how to deal with not just the different terrains you'll come upon, but, um, you know, keeping yourself cool, keeping yourself hydrated. I think that's one of the the more important things that I took away, um, from grand to grand and just thinking that I had, you know, hydration and cooling strategies under control. Um, but again, the heat is a little bit different in the high desert. Like it's, it's really dry. It's much drier than I think here in Phoenix. Um, you know, having cooling sleeves, having, you know, um, the desert has Sahara hats, um, buffs, anything that you can get wet and put on your skin, um, allows your body to help, you know, dissipate some of that, uh, some of that heat, um, as well as, you know, c- continuing to drink. But, um, yeah, I, I think uh, that was, that was definitely one of the things that I focused on, uh, with my training here. I was just managing heat and then also, feeling good about nutrition as as you're you know in the in the depths of that heat there are certain foods that are going to sound good when it's really hot and there are certain foods that are not going to sound good when it's really hot so uh, that was also something that i had focused on during during my training yeah let's let's talk a little bit about that like i we were going to talk specifically about like act not actual training but 
like the actual physical training to putting in mileage and that sort of thing. But I think nutritional quote unquote training is really important as well because like you were saying, you're out in the heat, like sometimes things sound good and other times they don't. If you feel a little nauseous, so you know you need to keep eating, it's like, what do you do? So so how did you train for that like specifically? Yeah, you know, early on in my training, I had in my mind, like this was just going to be a hike. And so I had focused on like hiking food. Um, that's trail mix and nut butters and, you know, high density calories type of food. And, and as I started to move through my training, you know, doing stuff in the heat and spending more and more time, man, the, the idea of trying to choke down, you know, dry nut butter or dry peanuts or trail mix, it, it just wasn't working. It, it really wasn't. And, and where I found the most success was actually, you know, bringing back in my, my running fuel. So, you know, most of us have uh, either liquid calories or gels or something that has moisture. And I made the decision probably a month out from Grand to Grand that I was not going to do, you know, any hiking food. I was going to go back to what I knew and what was successful for, for running, for ultra running. Um, and that was, you know, some standard gels that was some liquid calories. Um, and, uh, and I got to tell you, I mean, that worked really well. Now, I did have some small amount of trail food at Grand to Grand, but even after the first couple of days, you go back to using that trail food like early in the morning when it's not so hot, right? Where you you still are are drinking and eating normally, um, and then later in the day as it gets hotter, now you can start to lean on those gels, those liquid calories, uh, a recovery drink even. Uh, you know, something that's going to give you that, that calorie count to, to keep pushing forward. So that's, that's where I ended up because, um, yeah, dry, dry trail mix, uh, you know, when it's, when it's 86 degrees in the middle of the day, it, it just wasn't happening. <laughs> it's, it's interesting you say that I was, um, I was actually at at Moab 240 a few weeks ago with Jeff Peltier, who ran Grand to Grand, I think six or seven years ago. I'm forgetting the exact um, exact amount of years. But the same thing kind of happened to him where he had his schedule of like, I'm going to eat this, I'm going to do that and do that. And for the most part, he stuck with it because he had trained for it. But at a certain point, you kind of get palate fatigue and you're just like, oh, nothing sounds good. And so his girlfriend, who was amazing, like just had all these different things for him. And at a certain point, he got sick of eating just because he was consuming so many calories. But it's necessary. So you got to find things that you're going to like. And also, like, here's like a plan B of things that I might like in the future yeah. that I, maybe today I don't like, but day four or five, I might be loving this. Yeah. And and certainly um, variety is, is something that I witnessed. And, and even though I have a fairly standard nutritional, you know, intake throughout the day, um, what I found is that a lot of uh, participants really lacked the variety and options. Um, you know, again, they had packed the same things every day, um, whether it was for racing, recovery, or, you know, just real dinners at night. And so that fatigue overall becomes very real. Um, and, uh, and so, so yeah, variety. I mean, even simple little things like, I mean, I had a little bag of Jelly Bellies. And, you know, day five, day six, broke those jelly bellies out and just they're like heaven 
because it just it kind of cleanses the palate. It's nice and super sweet and it just kind of resets, um, you know, so you can start taking in whatever other calories that you need to. So, yeah, variety was important. Yeah. Speaking of that, then did you do specific training runs where you say you brought jelly bellies with you or you brought I know you're using certain drink mixes and stuff. Were you using those specifically on your training runs to kind of train your gut and your mouth for um, for that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think as a general topic or a general umbrella, you know, we're talking about training and people think a lot about, well, training your body. But as you mentioned, training with your gear, training with your nutrition, training with, you know, the clothing. Um it's, it's a very broad spectrum. And, and if you plan to use it in grand to grand, I, it's super important that you've at least used it once <laughs> and, and can know like, where is it going to chafe? Or gosh, I really didn't like that, you know, that drink, or, you know, it doesn't mix well with cold water or, um, you know, this, this doesn't fit well in my pack. Um, so, so absolutely. It's, it's, it's important that, training involves like all the things that you think you're going to use um, down to down to the toiletries down to your you know maybe earplugs or the toothbrush that you're going to bring i mean it's all super important that you try it at least once or twice um, with training runs um, so that you're familiar yeah let's talk about your training runs then because like down here in arizona at least the, the culture is very much like go run very minimal like most people I see out running are just like handhelds in a t-shirt for men, like sports bra and handhelds for women, maybe a belt with some water in it. So training with a, a full-on fast packing bag with all this gear, did you feel a little ridiculous, but also at the same time, just know that you're doing something very beneficial for your future? Yeah. And I'll say, I'll say yes, but I took the advice of, again, past G2G veterans and coaches from the Zoom calls that not every training run has to be, you know, with a weighted pack. Um, my plan was to slowly, you know, get acclimated to the pack and slowly build up, you know, the weight with that pack. And so every maybe third week, you know, in a month, I would, I would use the pack for a longer training hike. Right. And I would pack it. I would get used to, you know, putting things in different places, using different pouches, using water bottles. So it doesn't have to be every time. And I think the advice is, you know, if you're going to do that more, you're likely, you know, going to be injured. And so, you know, definitely keep that in mind and, and strategically leverage your pack, leverage your gear every so often. Um, and make sure that you're familiar with it, but it's not something that you need to, to pack, you know, every single run or every single hike. And so, um, that advice accompanied with, you know, get to the start line as, as healthy as possible, you know, at GOG and, and, and that was key. And so I did lean on that and made sure that I didn't overdo it with, with my, with my, you know, real pack. Right. Were you mainly using, like, say, the pack on a long run or on shorter training runs when you yeah. once a month? Yeah. And so most of my training weekends, you know, I would do, you know, a, a you know, six, a six hour hike or run. And then on the Sunday, I would load up the pack, put all of my gear in there, sure that I was using control, control nutrition, simulating 
what that would look like uh, for Grand Prix. No, that makes a lot of sense. And it kind of reminds me of years ago, I ran a race out in Georgia and I had just got a new pack and I I did not experiment with it. Like a, like just total like amateur idiot. And um, I went out there and like the first 20 miles of the race, I basically didn't eat or drink anything because I couldn't find anything. And so like, it just kind of goes into like training is more than just putting in mileage every day. It's like being comfortable with the gear that you have, because like say at grand to grand, if you're four days in and you can't find your blister kit or whatever you're looking for specifically and you're frustrated, that's going to just cause a lot of mental, like just mental drain and energy drain on you. And you already need to use those calories to just finish the race. Yeah, for sure. I think one of the other key things from my training was, uh, you know, as I mentioned earlier, it combines this running and camping. Um, and one of the things that I did is actually make sure that I was camping throughout some of these training weekends, right? Um, you have so much other gear that you need to be familiar with. And the idea of, you know, camping overnight, sleeping on the ground, getting up, having to prepare your kit and then go, you know, do a hike or run, you know, come back to camp. I, I think that was really, that was really key, you know, to be able to understand camp life, if you will, and, you know, what kind of gear you were going to need, you know, sleeping out in the, in the wilderness. Yeah, definitely. I think, I think there's a lot of crossover between say through hikers and people running grand to grand, like more and more I've seen like through hikers going over to running and then vice versa. And I kind of feel like stage racing is a good mixture of that, where you get to go out and spend a lot of time outside and run, but also you're, you're camping and spending time outside, which is just incredible. And um, yeah, it's just a very unique thing you get to do in running. It's more than just going out for a 10 miler every day. It's like you have to go out and run and then rinse and repeat. And it's just a great experience. Yeah, for sure. Um, it, it, and for some participants in Grand to Grand, they just they can't get that experience. Um, and so, you know, even some of them commented that they were using their camp gear, you know, in, in their home. Like they would just go into the living room and set up and, you know, try and sleep in their living room. And, and whatever it takes. I mean, honestly, um, you need to be familiar with, you know, how to how to leverage all of that. And uh, because it's integral, it, it certainly is something that can make or break grand to grand for you. Um, sleep is important. Sleep is recovery. And so uh, you got to be able to, you know, incorporate that in wherever you can. Yeah, definitely. I think it's a lot of, I think in a lot of these things, people get really focused on weight, which is also very important. Don't get me wrong. But if you're not able to sleep at night, then you're not going to recover for the next day. Then it's a downhill spiral from there. And I think it's just a good, good point you make of like training for all the aspects of it and not just putting in mileage or not just this and that. It's like things are important. So maybe your pack weighs five grams more, but you're a lot warmer at night. That's probably an exaggeration right there, but it's enough where like you need to kind of figure out what works best for you because what works best for so-and-so over there may not be good for you and vice versa. Yeah, that's precisely it. I mean, all of these things we're talking about, uh, you know, nutrition, gear, um, you know, where you train, how you train, how often you train. I mean, it's all so individualized. So yeah, far be it for me to say there's a right way. Uh, but in general... I think having your own philosophy in, in some of these categories of, of, you know, particularly training your body, training with all of your gear, um, it's, it's definitely important to have that in, in your mind so that you stay true to it um, as you're going through that training. Yeah, as we were starting, you were talking about um, running with arm sleeves on and other things. 
Um, let's talk about the gear that you use and how you trained with that specifically for Grand to Grand. Yeah, are are you looking for more of like running gear, or you want, um, you know, because uh, as far as uh, you know, the pack is concerned. Uh, <laughs> I made a, a, a very risky decision actually, probably four weeks before Grand to Grands. Um, I had been training with a brand, and it just it didn't fit right. Like I just was having challenges with it, um, and. I made the very risky decision to to get rid of it and go with a different pack. I, I eventually went with a USWE pack. Um, it's the ultra 30 liter pack. Um, because I recall one of the coaches or a grand to grand veteran on one of the Zoom calls saying, you need to love your pack, right? It's with you for seven days. It's the thing that you have to love. And if you don't love it, <laughs> it could be it could be problematic and so i made that switch and i'm i'm so happy i made that switch um it had all the right things it's a pack that i i was very comfortable with it had a very unique um x harness and so uh it reduced the bouncing of you know most traditional packs um and so that was that was that was super super helpful um, a lot of storage um on the outside and for 30 liters, I mean, if if you're using all of that, I think the the guidance is that's too much. <laughs> so um, I definitely uh, had more than enough room uh, by the end of the race, um, and even at the start of the race, again, it was very well put together and pretty slim. Um, as far as as far as running gear is concerned, um, you know, I had uh, one pair of compression shorts. I had um, one shirt, uh, the shirt was Montaigne, I believe. The compression shorts were 2XU. Um, I'm a big fan of Njinji socks, so that was my kind of go-to. And then um, the Hoka Speed Goats for, for shoes. Uh, and so that was my kit uh, running. Um, and then just, you know, traditional camp clothes, I think that I would change into every night. Um, just something that I was comfortable with something that was uh, light and warm at the same time, um, but, you know, easily very comfortable and lightweight. Um, what else can I tell you about? Um, I chose to use a um, an inflatable pad. It's the, the Thermarest uh, Uberlite pad. Um, and that was, I think, the right choice, uh, despite some of the thorny things that you, you might find in the tents or out on course. Um, the revelation I had, however, was to actually put my pad in my sleeping bag um, to help avoid some of those, um, you know, potential uh, thorns. Um, other than that, um, I'm trying to think what else was a critical piece of gear. I mean, I, I chose to bring poles. People will read and debate, you know, whether poles are necessary. Um, I think that's a personal preference. Um, but I do remember anecdotally one of the veterans on the Zoom call saying, you know, I carried my poles for the first three days of Grand to Grand. And then my poles carried me for the last three days. So in my mind, that seemed to be worth, you know, 10 ounces of, <laughs> of trekking poles. And so uh, I chose to take those. But yeah, um, I, I think that I think that about size. I mean, the main pieces of gear, there's there's you could go on and on about. 
you know, everything else that you need to bring. What I would say though, is, is make sure you look at, you know, both the required list of gear and even the recommended list. You might say, ah, you know, I, I probably don't need some of that. I, I would highly recommend that you find things in the recommended list. Like they're there for a reason. And so, um, it's, it's not a, it's not a big deal to have a couple extra ounces, you know, um, in, instead of not having those critical things. So definitely, definitely review those. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Um, I think you, I'm trying to remember if you said in the email or not, did you bring extra socks with you or did you just have one pair the entire time? <laughs> no, I definitely brought extra socks. Um, and, uh, in fact, I brought, I think four pairs of socks. Um, I would recycle them, you know, and wash them when necessary. But I saved uh, one last sock, I think, for, for the last day or maybe the last two days. Um, and, and that was kind of my, I think, I think that's a, a critical decision. Um, I, funny story, I've, I've never vacuum packed socks before, but I did <laughs> vacuum pack my socks so that they would be small and flat. And um, on day six, I think what, what, when I opened that last pack of socks, uh, we passed them around because they smelled just of, you know, fabric softer. It was such a clean scent compared to how we smelled in our tent. But um, yeah, definitely a lifesaver uh, being able to, you know, move in and out of socks um, because so much sand on the course. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of sand. Um, that's kind of the beauty of the area, though. It's just sandstone and sandy, and it's it's great. Um, I know we're going to kind of backtrack here a little bit, but um, when you're talking about finding specific areas that kind of replicated the course, were you doing your back-to-back -back long runs like in sand specifically? Like, I honestly don't know very many sandy areas around Phoenix besides like in the washes and stuff. So were you like in those or what were you doing for that? I was definitely, uh, I was definitely in the washes where I could find them. Even in the Phoenix area, like it's really tough to find the type of sand you're going to encounter at Grand to Grand. Um, I was a bit worried about that um, and traversing that amount of sand. Uh, but honestly, uh, even if you're spending a little time in the sand, um, whether that's a beach, whether that's a wash, take the time to, to learn how to be more efficient in sand, uh, I guess would be my advice. Um, because e even if you've not trained in the sand, you can learn how to how to hike and jog efficiently in sand. Um, and and so I think that helped quite a bit, um, you know, throughout the course, even though I hadn't trained in it a lot. And so um, I don't think it not, I don't think anything can prepare you for the for the for the dunes themselves. Uh, but the but the sandy track that you'll encounter. Um, Definitely, uh, there are ways to economize your your hiking and running through those, um, and so I would just I would be familiar with with that um, more than anything. Yeah, I'd say also like obviously like what you're saying is very important of like just the physicality of it, the mental side of it too. Like knowing that you're gonna be moving a lot slower in the sand, and just the efficiency of going through it's a lot different than say pavement or rocks or technical. Like sand is just a an energy suck and it really pulls you down so i think going into that knowing you're going to be going slower than usual is just a good like mental thing to have in your head it, for sure um 
I, I really did underestimate how much sand there would be. Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, I think finding economies, uh, both physically and mentally, um, you, you definitely need to be prepared for. Awesome. Well, Hey, thanks Trevor. Um, as we kind of like wrap up here, do you have anything that's coming to your head that you'd want to just kind of be like any advice, I guess, for people running next year or just something that's been floating around in your brain since you finished? Gosh, there's a lot of things. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think I'll just lean back on, you know, this, this primary idea of, you know, when it comes to your training, when it comes to even your clothing and nutrition, you know, don't be wishy-washy um, on making a decision one way or the other, like have a, a clear philosophy of how you want, you know, these things to play out for you and, and, you know, kind of build your training, build your nutrition, build your, your, your process around those philosophies and, um, you know, stick to them uh, and, and try and get as close to those as you can for race day. Um, I think that was one of the key elements of, of my success um, this year was just, you know, having that planned, having that philosophy, and then just, you know, making the decisions that, that lead you to it. Because again, if you leave things out open and, and you can't make a decision on any of those, I think that's where doubt and just, again, you have to make stuff up, which I don't know, uh, that's not me. So <laughs> I need that, that clear path. But, uh, you know, I think you'd be more successful if you, if you do. Definitely. And I, I guess just to kind of recap here as we finish, like it's it's very important to to train with what you're going to be racing in on race day slash week. And that comes to everything. It's like the physical side, the mental side, the food side, the gear side, everything needs to be tested and tested again. Because once you're out yeah. there, you're stuck. And it's not like you can just call in Uber Eats or have an Amazon airdrop you a new pack or something. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. I, I recall people, you know, giving away a lot of their food to the race directors because there was they they were sick of it or they couldn't eat it or they couldn't get it down or it just wasn't appetizing you know by by day four so um, yeah definitely train all of those aspects uh, for your race cool well hey uh, thanks Trevor we're gonna wrap it up here we've been going for the time we allotted for this like you're a busy guy a lot going on and um, yeah we'll have to we'll have to chat soon go for a run or a ride okay thanks Derek appreciate it.